Welcome to Junior Elves and Now What? Interlude episode 33.5, Ultimate episode 76. So this week, uh, we tried to get out of the house for the first time in a while. We've, we've had some illnesses. Uh, this year has just been, been a, I don't know, a 2020. Um, one of the things we've been fighting is uh, pneumonia in our house. And thankfully, it wasn't the corona, but still far from fun. Um, but uh, we're starting to get over that. We decided it was time to get out of the house and kind of you know break that cabin fever. So we went to one of our favorite uh, restaurants, the Old Spaghetti Factory. There isn't one super near our house. So we had to drop the dog off at another um, doggy daycare place. It's the same one we used last time. And I'll be honest with you, it's great because whenever we pick him up, he's super energized, but then he burns down really quick and he's super chill for a while. So I think we're going to get into the point of taking him in for half a day every couple of days during the week. Um, it's like 15 bucks a pop for half a day. So that's not too bad at all. So anyway, as we were driving down to go to the old spaghetti factory, we broke out one of the trivia games that we had used uh, when we went to our little trip a few weekends ago. And uh, it was really fun because even though some people want to be distracted or they want to be engaged on electronic devices, there is something about trivia that just pulls people in. It's like they either want to know or want to share what they know. And so that was really fun. Uh, so I, I would encourage that. I, I'm sure there's apps out there or trivia things you can find on your phone. We do that sometimes with like Disney. Um, but, you know, just a quick deck of cards of, of trivia stuff. There's tons of them on Amazon for lots of different topics. Um, so I totally would encourage you to look that up. Something else that I wanted to share that was really kind of cool. Uh, so my six-year-old is, is one of my children that's on the spectrum. And one of the things that tends to be a telltale sign of people who are on the spectrum is, is the imagination or sometimes the lack thereof. Um, they're extremely literal, extremely um, to the point, very, um, I hate to say practical because I know I'm far from practical sometimes, but um, to, to see a, a person who's on the spectrum really branch out and start doing something that's totally out of the realm of reality while they're playing with toys is, is actually really cool. It's kind of a breakthrough event. And so my six-year-old, um, we uh, did a quick little jaunt to the mall uh, to just, again, this was just to get out of the house, um, bought a couple of new games, and we bought him this thing that's, it's like those, uh, I think it's called Jenga or something, it's those blocks that you kind of stack up, but it's it's geared more towards kids. And we got home, and he totally was like, yeah, I don't want to play the instructions, I want to totally play make-believe. And so he created this old world, and um, if you wanted to join him, he, he involved you, if you didn't, if want to join in, he played by himself. But it was really cool because it had no, no bearing on reality whatsoever and everything to do with his imagination. So that was actually really, really cool to see. Um, unrelated to, to, to getting out of the house, uh, there was the Amazon Prime Days a week or so ago. And so I bought up some things that were quote unquote smart for my house, stuff I've been wanting to do for a while now. I mean, our house is relatively new. It's less than four years old. And so I've been, I've been trying to kind of... Um, enhance it with little areas here and there. So we started with a few uh, smart devices in the house. So we have like a nest for the thermostat. Uh, we've got a camera or a camera thing for the doorbell. Um, we finally bought a couple of smart bulbs. Um, those seem to be going really well. So I bought another set of smart bulbs uh, for the house. And it's kind of cool. There's a feature about them. I guess I never really noticed when you um, use a smart bulb that's got the ability to um, get brighter or dimmer uh, you can set it to a certain dim setting, and then you, when you use the switch for the house to turn the light bulb on and off, it tends to stick to that setting. Uh, I'm sure it's a little specific brand to brand, but it's been actually really cool. So we have these pendant lights in our kitchen, 
And the light bulbs that are in there are pretty bright, which is good sometimes. But, you know, when you got members in the house that are struggling with migraines, you don't want that. But if you need light, you got to figure out some kind of compromise. So this has actually been really cool because we set these dimmers to literally 1% of their of their uh, brightness factor and we've left them there because they're bright enough when you need them to be but uh anyway so it's, it's kind of, of a cool thing plus you can set them on like timers when you're on vacation blah 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 um the other thing we got and this is what i've dying to have since like the day we built this house was i, I got a smart device that uh attaches and i and i use that term not literally metaphorically but um it, it it's adaptive to the garage and so it tells me if the garage is open. It tells me if the garage is shut. It tells me, or it allows me to open or close it. Um, it blares a bunch of like sirens and lights and stuff when you're using the app to close a garage, because especially if you're not home, it's it's nice because it warns anyone who's close by. Um, it tells you when it was opened last or, or how long it's been opened or closed. So all those things for a person who's like extremely paranoid like myself, um, that's been really, really cool to have. It was like 33 bucks on Amazon. It took me about maybe a half an hour to install and I took my time. So, um, I encourage anyone who has even like the weakest Wi-Fi signal getting into their garage. Um, it, it's, it, it's been huge. Um, the other thing that I've been working on is, uh, I've, I've really been diving into Legos. I've been talking about them a lot. Um, I've been very slowly building up the Saturn V rocket. Um, I have a lot of pretty good sized Legos. Um, I think my, I don't know, I'm looking at them right now and probably my Millennium Falcon uh, is probably the largest set, but not by much. Um, the, um, what's it called? The uh, Voltron is second to the largest. Anyway, um, this Saturn V rocket easily takes the cake, at least as far as height is concerned. I'm about 70% of the way done with it and it's already significantly taller than anything else I have. So, Super excited to finish that. Um, I'm a big fan of Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, we we uh, followed the Stargate franchise for a very long time, specifically the SG-1 at Atlantis. We'll talk about that in another podcast in more detail. But um, uh, I love the MacGyver stuff. But even as a kid, didn't really watch it in, in detail. Um, so I started not binge watching it, but just slowly as time permits, uh, diving back into it. Um, it's definitely campy and it's definitely kind of silly to an extent, but um, I don't know. There's something innocently fun about the show. So I'm excited to get back into that again. Um, and then <laughs> this is just kind of a silly random thing. Um, uh, last night I, uh, I had one of my uh, nails on my hand. Uh, I, I guess I chipped it a little bit and I don't really care much about my nails. I just want them short enough. They don't get in the way. And so it kind of had one of those ragged edges to it. And we had bought one of those nail grinders for our dog to help trim back his nails or his claws. So I whipped that thing out and it was, it, it worked amazingly well. The smell is not pleasant, um, but it's funny watching the dog because um, he doesn't like freak out and whimper and stuff like that, but he obviously doesn't like it. And so like, he'll listen to it for a minute and then he'll run and then he'll kind of sneak back up, listen to it for a minute and then run. So anyways, that was uh, kind of entertaining. So I spent a lot of time on uh, events and things like that. So let's just kind of move on to some of the thoughts and some of the, the things that have been crossing my mind that are not topic specific. Um, one of them is there was a really, really cool song I stumbled upon recently. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Peter Hollins lately. He's got a really great album that is based off of Lord of the Rings movies. So some of them are songs you've heard from the movies just recovered, but some of them are originals done by him or some of the people he uh, duets or sings with. 
And there's some really cool, very soothing stuff. Some of it's not even like low end soothing stuff. Some of it's a little more upbeat um, and up tempo, but it's fun. Um, he came out with a, a song or he's, he's covered a song uh, with uh, David Archuleta, if you remember him from uh, American Idol. And it's on an album called uh, Legendary Covers Volume 2, Colon uh, Inspire. And the song itself is, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. So I encourage you, if you get a chance to stumble upon it, uh, it starts out a little bit slow, but it's got some fantastic harmonies and uh, uh, duet moments in it between the two of them. So really cool. Um, another thought that had crossed my mind, this was one of those, somebody says something, it triggers a, a series of ideas. So I had to write them down. The idea of um, a rear view mirror. Uh, we, we often talk about this, um, you know, live in the present, prepare for the future, learn from the past concept. You know, the present is the present, it's a gift, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's lots of different theories, concepts, principles, quotes all around that concept. But I wanted to spend a minute on the idea of a rearview mirror. Even since I was um, first driving, uh, it became very apparent that the rearview mirror is a really great analogy for looking into the past. And because you're seeing what's behind you. And it's important to see what's coming behind you because um, you're like, okay, well, I've, I avoided something. And, you know, when I swerved, I didn't cause an accident. So that's good. Um, there's a car coming up from behind me. So that could be like an analogy of maybe you made a mistake in the past that it's catching up to you. Um, or maybe you didn't make a mistake in the past, but something's still catching up to you. So all of those things are, are important. But there's a couple of takeaways here. And one of those takeaways is if you stare in the rearview mirror for too long, you're going to crash because you're not looking in front of you. You're not living in the present and you're not dealing with the people in the car with you either. So all of those things are very important. So it's important to use that rearview mirror, but not to dwell on it. Now, if you're like, okay, well, I really need to pay attention to what's behind me. So I'm going to stop my car. Well, it's like stopping life to study the past. Is it important to learn from history or from your past? Absolutely. But if you stop too long, you're never going to go forward. So that's another point of the analogy. But this was one of those really aha moments for me. When you are in that moment that eventually becomes the past, you're really looking in a particular direction. Let's assume for the moment that you're looking forward. So you're seeing things that's in front of you. So let's take you're on the freeway and you see a street sign. You're looking at the words on that street sign, but then you're like, oh my gosh, I made a horrible mistake in the past. I'm going to stay on that rearview mirror for a minute. When you look at that rearview mirror, you are seeing what's behind you, but you're not actually seeing it from the same angle. You're now seeing the backside of those signs. You're not actually seeing the words anymore. And, and that's a true analogy for life because everything from a memory perspective is always going to be tainted tainted from the smells in the air, the sounds, the music, what was going on in our mind, what were we focusing on at the time. And so sometimes we may not have made a mistake, but then we've looked into the past and we think it was a horrible tragedy. Like for example, when they're doing road work on, on the road, when you're driving forward, you'll see signs that are actually flipped around because they're not actually doing the construction right then. But then when you pass the sign and you look in your rearview mirror, you now see the words, oh my gosh, there was construction, what did I do? Ah! And you freak out. But the reality is, is it's perspective. So it's really important that you understand that when you're looking behind you. So um, just something to think about as you're, as you're dwelling upon this idea of looking into the past. Something I've talked to my children about is the idea of guilt. Guilt is a very, very important emotion, but it's also one of the strongest things the devil uses against us. Um, guilt should be a trigger for change. It should be a recognition of, hey, yeah, I may have screwed something up. So be it. I am now going to learn from that. 
I'm going to do something different. And yeah, I may make say the same mistake again, but that doesn't mean I haven't learned and I'm making progress. And then move on. Drop the guilt, learn from it, move on. Because that guilt's going to suck you down into the terrible abyss of hell. And that's not a place to be. But that's where the devil wants you. So again, just look back, even if it's a different perspective, learn from it, recognize it, make sure that you see what's coming behind you, but stay in the present and prepare for the future. Okay, so let's move on to um, the, uh, the, the scripture I want to focus on for just a brief moment. Um, this one's kind of exciting for me because this actually lends itself to something that I've been studying in preparation for a future podcast. I, I haven't covered it yet because I feel I'm far from prepared for this. But just to kind of give you a taste, um, this is in Fourth uh, Nephi chapter one verse three. Now, Fourth Nephi in the Book of Mormon is a really unique chapter uh, book because it's one of the few books that is only one chapter long. It's got a ton of verses to it, and it trans uh, it transcends almost the most amount of time in a single uh, chapter. Um, the Book of Bether is probably the only exception to that because some of those chapters transcend transcend potentially thousands of years. So, um, but uh, Christ had just come to the Americas. Um, people's lives had changed. The entire continent had changed. And uh, this is uh, what was said. And they, and this is referring to the people of the land. So there was no longer ites, Nephites, Lamanites, whatever. They're all kind of one people. And they had all things in common among them. Therefore, there were not rich and poor, bond and free, but they were all made free and partners of the heavenly gift. Um, the, the, the word I want to focus on from this passage is common. So the topic that I am studying is, is the word one or the number one. It's referenced in the scriptures quite a few times. And there's lots of questions that come up, uh, especially in modern days, when there's uh, literally uh, a nearly infinite amount of uh, theories, concepts, principles, religions, whatever you want to call it. And it's, it's the question of how can there be only one truth when there's so many different perspectives? And sometimes when we're thinking of the number one, we're thinking of a singularity where um, it is identical. But I think that sometimes this term common, things are common amongst us, can still make us one without us all being the same. So I think that's something to think about. All right. So having said all of that, spent a lot of time on that. Uh, let's move into uh, the next series of, let's call it top three. So for quite a long time, I focused on top three favorites or dislikes, foods, movies, entertainment, etc. Um, the last series I went through was vehicles I've driven. I'm, I'm fairly passionate about that um, because I've had some really horrible vehicles and some really great vehicles. But um, what I want to do now is I want to move over to uh, careers or jobs uh, or work that I've done or, or tried to do. Not because what I've done is great or terrible, because um, I've had a lot of lessons learned from these things. So I'm not going to dig into the specifics of necessarily locations or even company names. But the, the work I was doing and some of the stuff that I've done or, or people I participated in um, were, uh, I think, something that could be useful for you. And it's certainly interesting for me reliving it. So uh, I'm going to start this one off with just kind of the short beginning, um, and then I'll spend more time. It won't be the same as before where I cover three cars at once or three jobs at once. Um, it'll be one or many, depending on uh, the length of stories I have to share. So when I was a teenager, early teenager, um, my first three jobs all revolved around construction and uh, good jobs for, for kids. I think it's a good job for anyone to have experienced at some point in their life because construction is a hard thing to do, uh, regardless of your physical abilities, regardless of your intelligence, regardless of your education. It is hard. 
And so I have a great deal of respect for people who do that work. I'm glad I don't do that now um, because it's not the kind of thing I want to do right now to, to further myself. But I'm also very appreciative of the fact that I did do it because it taught me a ton of things. And, and by that, I mean things like math. It taught me things like hard work. It taught me how to have a higher pain tolerance. Um, it taught me how to do things in lots of different weather. So uh, the first thing that I remember as having my first job that I got paid for was um, helping doing roofing. So uh, shingles. Uh, so it's uh, some of it was on new construction. Uh, some of it was uh, re-shingling houses. Massively educational. Um, it really helps if you have a, a fear of heights uh, from the standpoint of helping you overcome them. It also helps you realize when you have uh, issues you don't know about. Um, I have a, a genetic disorder called Raynaud's or Raynaud's, and it's where I have uh, poor circulation in my hands and feet and other extremities, nose, ears, etc. That um, gets triggered by random things, not your typical, um, uh, it's cold outside, therefore my extremities are going to be cold. It could be lots of different things. But my, when I was an early teen, I was up on, on a roof and uh, we were doing some work late. Uh, it was, I want to say, fall. And I remember it was cold enough that I didn't realize it. But when we got off the roof, my hands had almost completely stopped working. Um, I couldn't even like zip up my jacket. It was so bad. And so that was the trigger for us to go to see a doctor and find out what I had. Now, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad for me, but doing hard work is good because sometimes it teaches you that you have limitations, but those limitations shouldn't stop you. I still roof. I still do construction and I still do hard things that, that trigger my Raynaud's. And I've gotten to the point now where it's kind of almost the beaten dog syndrome. When my hands aren't cold, I feel funny. So um, that was that was my first real kind of foray. I do have a funny story about that, though. Um, even though that was one of my first jobs, I did it on and off for many, many years. And uh, I was up on a roof once uh, with my dad doing um, a person's roof in, in their neighborhood. It wasn't a, a neighbor of ours necessarily. It was a few blocks away. But um, I was at that age where I thought it was cool to take your shirt off while you were doing work. And I had no physique to, to, uh, to show off. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, something uh, grotesque to look at, I would argue or hope. But I, I wasn't fancy looking. I didn't have a six pack. I didn't have rippling muscles or any of that kind of jazz. And I was pasty white. I, I'm putting that out there right now. Like, you know, the sun was reflecting off of me and hurting people's eyes. So anyways, I'm up on top of this roof. And uh, I stood up for a minute and looked into someone's backyard and happened to see a girl I knew who, interestingly enough, later became my wife. Um, and I remember calling out to her and calling her by name and saying hi. And she kind of looked at me and waved back somewhat sheepishly. And it's still one of those funny things because she's like, I was so embarrassed. She was hanging out with like a friend or something. So that was that was kind of funny. Um, the second job I had, and again, this was somewhat running concurrently, was uh, cleaning at construction sites. So I was tasked to do a lot of like sweeping or picking up debris from like wood that had been left behind. And, uh, you know, cleaning is um, an essential thing. You know, you can't have something all nasty and, and covered in debris and uh, trip hazards and, and other uh, issues like that. So it's important that things stay clean, but it is not fun for the most part to clean. But again, this is one of those things where I am so glad that I learned to do that. Because, you know, later in life, uh, when I was in situations where I was surrounded by people who either didn't want to or didn't know how to clean, I had the knowledge, I had the experience, and I had the willingness to do it. Some of that was driven by the fact that I had been around areas where I had cleaned them and made them clean, and I liked it clean. So now I was irritated when I was around things that weren't clean. Um, 
uh, it also gives you a really great uh, appreciation for brooms because when you're a construction site, you're covered with uh, covered with uh, dust, whether it's sheetrock dust or wood dust, um, and uh, and so brooms become an essential part of your life. And so uh, you really learn how to sweep and sweep well. I, I know that sounds terribly odd, but it is extremely true. So um, that's the end of the the job elements that I was going to cover for today. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was something somewhat comical. And again, this is, I, I have terrible penmanship, so hopefully I can read my handwriting here. So this is from a building inspector. Well, you say you've kept everything up to code, but I have been speaking with your four-year-old and he informed me the floor is actually lava, which I don't need to tell you is a pretty serious safety violation. Have a spectacular week. Smile, be happy. Remember you're worth it. And I truly mean that. You are worth it. Regardless of whether you understand that or believe that in yourself, it is true. Even if I don't know you, I know you're worth it. Thanks for listening.